There are times when I read a part of our Holy Scriptures and I am utterly baffled by what God is trying to communicate through this text. Jesus' parables are often confusing. Their meanings are shrouded in mystery and we're only left to interpret and sometimes argue over what they could possibly have been saying. And then there are other times when Scripture speaks quite plainly. The truth may not be easy to hear, but it is incredibly easy to identify. Today's gospel passage from Luke is one of these. This is an excerpt from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which is often compared to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, though it's notably shorter and more pointed. Matthew spiritualizes the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you who hunger for righteousness. But Luke speaks more bluntly. Blessed are you who are poor. This means people who are destitute without basic human needs. Someone in such great suffering that their reliance is on God alone because we who are privileged have failed them. This isn't poor in spirit. Luke says, God blesses the poor, period. God blesses you who mourn, period. You who are rejected and excluded, period. The Gospel of Luke is full of reversals like this, explaining that the kingdom of God will require a complete transformation of the earthly lives we have built. If we are rich, we will be poor. If we laugh now, we will weep. I may be alone in finding this imperative from Jesus really difficult to hear and to confront honestly. But there is absolutely no excuse for being unclear as to what Jesus is saying here. It is spoken as plainly as day. Do you want to know what a life of discipleship looks like? This is it. Here it is. It's easy to think about the kingdom of God as some kind of far-off, abstract idea that has yet to come. But Luke plays with the tenses in the Greek in this passage. He switches from future tense to present tense so frequently, as if to remind us that the kingdom of God is both already here and also not yet. Here is a story I want to tell you about how the kingdom of God is manifesting right now here. Last week, I read a statement released by the Right Reverend Diana Akiyama, who is the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Oregon. She announced a civil lawsuit filed by the diocese and by a small church, St. Timothy's, against the city of Brookings, Oregon. St. Timothy's is particularly known for offering services to the homeless citizens of Brookings, Brookings is only about 7,000 in population. They serve warm and nutritious meals. They run health programs that offer low-income residents access to medical clinics, showers, internet, resume building, vaccinations, COVID testing, and other vital services that empower them to live a dignified life. 
St. Timothy's feeding ministry in particular has provided food for the poor in Brookings six days a week for several years, including during the COVID pandemic when, understandably, other churches had closed their ministries. Last year, the residents in the neighborhood of St. Timothy's became frustrated at the increased presence of the homeless in their neighborhood. They were too noisy, too disruptive, too dirty. This group of neighbors successfully petitioned the city council to put limits around how often the church could serve food to those who are hungry. The ordinance would have required the church to get a permit to offer what they call benevolent meal services. And it would restrict them, allow them only to serve meals twice per week in three-hour increments. The homeless residents of Brookings would go from having six guaranteed meals per week to two, all in a city that does not have any shelters or other established services for the homeless and poor. To the congregation of St. Timothy's, this is unacceptable. So in response, St. Timothy's and the diocese has filed a suit in federal court alleging that this ordinance infringed upon their right to religious expression. In other words, this church is saying their entire religious identity and imperative of expression and being followers of Jesus is necessarily expressed in feeding the hungry. They could not fathom living authentically as Christians without being permitted to serve. The suit says that the city is, quote, attempting without justification to restrict St. Timothy's right to worship as their conscience dictates. Serving the poor and filling the hungry, that is worshiping God for St. Timothy's. That is holy work. That is the way they live out their gospel witness in the world, even when there are attempts to stifle it. St. Timothy's is not doing this as a grab for attention or glory. It is merely the result of a group of people who look at the rising numbers of homeless individuals and families in their region and refuse to say, that's not my problem. Putting resources towards challenging unjust laws is not so St. Timothy's can say that they can do whatever ministry they want and it's not up to anybody to tell them what to do. They're not doing it for that. They're doing it because there is a need. And if relationships between St. Timothy's and their poor neighbors is limited, then all of their work in community building and empowerment will be lost. And St. Timothy's knows that those who are the most vulnerable are the ones that will suffer the most. They realize that models of service that most align with the gospel are those that are authentic expressions of faith that emphasize empowerment over dependency, equity over preserving power structures that disenfranchise the poor, and relationship over charity. I am personally inspired and incredibly challenged by the story of St. Timothy's in Brookings, Oregon. I am constantly finding myself falling into patterns of what Robert Lupton, who is a longtime urban missioner, calls toxic charity. Toxic charity looks like serving neighbors in ways that are easiest for me, 
regardless of the need, and without mind to the goal of personal empowerment of those whom I serve. I so often feel pity, but not responsibility or even mercy. Lupton writes in his book, our compassionate instinct has a serious shortcoming. Our memory is short when recovery is long. We respond with immediacy to desperate circumstances, but often are unable to shift from a crisis relief to the more complex work of long-term development. When relief does not transition to development in a timely way, compassion becomes toxic. Like the gospel, this is really hard to hear. It's hard to challenge our own instincts when we're being compassionate. But it also means that we can find a way forward while focusing both on the now and the not yet of what piece of God's kingdom could be unfolding around us. We are in a wonderful and promising place right now as a community. We will soon hear about this at our annual meeting, 1230 on Zoom. And it'll show you that the ways that this community has for decades and decades been continually loved and nurtured, which is leading us to this place of seemingly endless possibilities. Christ's church's role in the kingdom is unfolding. It's something that requires us to discern. In order to avoid being toxic, we have to have careful consideration. We have to have a mind to relationship building with our neighborhood and adopt a posture of listening. The truth is, is that our congregation is not representative of the diversity of Capitol Hill. But engaging in responsible and transformative service to others, we believe that we can be welcoming and inclusive to everyone. And that means bringing to church, inviting to church, those we think we are supposed to give our pity. All of our work, should be aligned towards this mission. And it is long work and humbling work. But this is what happens when we recognize that just because the kingdom of God is not yet fully revealed doesn't mean that it cannot be realized here and now in our own way. Luke will not let us off the hook. We will be reading a lot of Luke this year. This won't be the first time we're challenged by what Luke has to say. Blessed are the poor and hungry. And blessed are all of us as we continue to discern our response to the vast depth of human need here in our neighborhood. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer.